okay, it's great to be here today, and it's great to be part of that worship and the time of just flowing and hearing from God. And this really links, uh, when I was hearing with what different people say, is linking what we're talking about today, which is the Bible as God's Word. And what Kev said just about a minute ago about testing and looking through what's being said and whether it's coming from God and man. That's just a really good way of linking into what I'm saying today. And to start with, I'm going to tell a story all about um, Russia. And it was from the Alpha course. I don't know if you've ever been on one. We don't run one at the moment, but there are lots of churches around the area who do. And it's just a way for you to find a bit more about Christianity and the basics of Christianity. And the guy who invented this course, Nicky Gumbel, in the 70s, he went to Russia with his dad and they were giving out Bibles. And they were doing that because in that time, in that area, I believe it was called the Soviet Union at the time, people weren't openly allowed to read the Bible or worship together as Christians in many areas. And they decided to give these. And in one particular town in central Russia, they attended an, a sort of secret church service that they found about. But it was very difficult to tell at the time whether the people there were genuine Christians or the KGB had been infiltrating different meetings. But Nicky Gumbel really felt that there was one man who he just felt the Holy Spirit saying to him, this man you need to give a Bible to. And after the service, he followed the man through the streets. And I can imagine it being a bit Bond-like, you know, of sort of following and make sure other people aren't following and things like that. And when he got there to a street where it was just Nicky Gumbel and the man alone, he pulled out a new Bible and offered it to the gentleman. Nicky Gumbel said, as he gave this Bible to the man that was in his language, that the man just became so excited. And he was jumping up and down. He was dancing. And they were running up and down, dancing the street together, because this Bible for him was so precious. The man also pulled out a sheet that was so withered and battered and bruised that was just a double page of the Bible that he had. And Nicky Gumbel assumed that was the only bit of the Bible that he'd ever had before. And now he got a whole Bible. And this man was just, as they say nowadays, cock-a-hoop about it. He was amazed. And then I thought, what would happen today if I was to give you a Bible? What would your reaction be? Would it be excitement? Would it be dancing around the church? Would it be... I don't really like that cover. I'm not sure about that version. Do you have it in the version that I prefer? I've read it once. I didn't like it. I've plenty of them anyway. I've, I've got loads. I tend to struggle with reading, so I tend to listen to Christian radio. Or I know it all. I know all the Bible. And I'm sure that a lot of you, if I did give you a Bible now, you go, well, we've got one. Or um, there are ones that we use and we love. But sometimes I do wonder if we've got the excitement about God's word that that gentleman had there. Sometimes talking to Christian folk, we can have excitement about a lot of other things to do with the Christian life. Lots of other tools that help us know about the Bible. 
But they're the things that sometimes are more exciting to us than God's word itself. Maybe it's particular conferences you go to. Maybe it's uh, particular things you listen to. Maybe it's podcasts. Maybe it's things that you find on the web. Really important now, could everyone raise their hands a second and just say this after me? So everyone raise their hand. The internet is not the Bible. Hands down. Because so often... We as Christians can get our meat and the things that we need from the internet and other of the things that I've said. And that's fine. There are a lot of things there that are very helpful to us, knowing about the Bible and learning about the Bible and hearing what God has got to say to us. But let's be careful that what we're not doing is putting the tools that help us understand God's word in front of God's word itself. It's a bit like if I was to make a cabinet... And I don't think that's really going to happen, anyone who knows my DIY skills. But I've got this cabinet, but actually I don't display that or use that. I I display the tools, so I have the hammer, the saw, the chisel. They're right, aren't they? They're the things you use to make a... They're the things that I display around and hold dear rather than the cabinet itself. The important thing. And what I'm wondering is... If God, if I told you now that God is speaking today, you probably all agree. You go, oh, yes, oh, yes, God can speak to us today. But if I was especially to say, well, there's an announcement that on Friday at 12 o'clock, God is going to speak to the whole world. There's a countdown in the sky, let's say, and there's a countdown to God speaking We'd all get incredibly excited. Probably the news channels, once it was verified, would get incredibly excited about this and count down for God speaking and to hear God's word. But we know, or hopefully we do know, that God is speaking to us daily. We don't need a countdown for a a time where he does that. God is speaking through his word to us. And sometimes as Christians, we need to remember that that God has graciously given us this word that we can hear from, that we can share, that we can use to base what, uh, what God is telling us on, because it is God's word. Assemblies of God, who are the organisation that we affiliate to, they say this, they say, we believe that the Bible, and by that they mean the Old and the New Testaments, they believe it's the inspired word of God, infallible an all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. And they say it's entirely inerrant and sufficient for all Christian life. And they go on to say that this is so important nowadays because so many ideas we get in the world are, oh, well, you take a little bit of this and take a little bit of that. And, yeah, you could take a bit of the Bible, but what about other things as well? Or, oh, well, does that actually mean what it says? And people start looking at whether what the Bible says is relevant for them today. However, Assemblies of God go on to say, true Christians hold the Scriptures as their highest authority in all matters of faith and practice. The Bible is a finished canon of revelation from God. And Jesus didn't have to use 
the word when he quoted against Satan, when he was tempted by Satan, but he used the word to show us that he's truly the word of God the Father. And the apostles confirm that as well. In the Bible, in 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21, it says this. In the written word of prophecy, we have something more permanent in which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dimly lighted place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But above all, remember that no prophecy in Scripture will be found to have come from the prophet's own prompting, for never did any prophecy come from human will, but men sent by God as they're impelled by the Holy Spirit. And there's a very well-known verses from 2 Timothy that says every spirit, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, that says every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for convincing, for correction of error and for instruction in right doing so that the man of God may himself be complete and may be perfectly equipped for every good work. But we talked earlier about today and the culture that we're in. And quite often, people are searching for what is true or false. And when we're looking at the, the Bible, so often when people look, especially people who are coming in from a cynical standpoint, there are quite a few mistakes that you can make when you're looking at the Bible. But actually, I know that I've made these mistakes as well. And so often that you can do these by a few things, and I'm sure you can think of some others as well. First one is so many arguments arise from people who read the Bible and they don't listen to each other. They see the words, but then they use it as an argument. So they use it as something where they're saying, well, God's saying this, and then they poor listening of not reading the Bible and listening to each other. The other one, selective memory. I'm sure we've all done this. Using isolated, out-of-context quotations from a document to establish a proposition. Cherry-picking bits we like and avoiding the bits we're not sure of. Sometimes we think we know what's in the Bible and we don't. And that happened this week. Now, I was chatting with somebody who I work with, and we um, were in a sermon probably about 15 years ago that Pastor John Price did. And the quote that we both remember was, it is better to be kind than right. And a few of you are nodding, you remember that sermon. And we were trying to work out, is this from the Bible or not? We didn't know. So we did the Google search. We couldn't quite find there. So we actually texted him and said, is this in the Bible or not? And he came back and told us exactly what he was. very pleased we remembered his sermon. Bless the Lord came out in the, in the text. But he actually said, no, here's where I based it on and told us the scripture and helped us work through that. But so often do we almost have a bit of an inkling of what's going on in the Bible rather than a real knowledge or... Do we test things? So when I'm saying things now, and as Kev said earlier, are we testing them? Are we looking at them in the Bible and where they are? What the context was? Who was speaking to whom? Another one of their following on is we often misread situations, not always seeing the context or seeing facts in the light of their own preconceptions. And another one, and this is why I said about the internet isn't the, the Bible, because so often... 
if you look on the internet, people are missing the point. People are getting caught up on issues that sidetrack and distract from the purpose of God's word. God has given us a wonderful counsellor. And as we, the Holy Spirit helps us work through what the word is saying to us and work out what is truth. There are a few things about truth. That truth is a person. That Jesus came as truth into the world. God said to the the prophets, uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration, sorry, there was Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, but then God said, this is my son, listen to him. And if we need a filter of what is the Bible saying, Christ is there. Christ helps us understand what the Bible is saying. Hebrews 1.1 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In Bibles, there's often that red letter Bible, isn't there? Which I thought was a Bible that meant you had a gift where you could do like parachuting for a day. But apparently, no. The red letter Bibles are ones that have all the words of Jesus in red. And they really help us understand the words of Jesus and the words of God coming as a filter to help us understand what the Bible has to say. The person of God came to the earth, Jesus, to help teach us. Also, truth has weight. Truth, when it happens, does something. It isn't just a case of, oh, that's lovely. But truth from God, has a purpose, has weight. Jesus said this, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. And he also said in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. As Kev was talking earlier, we have a mission to do. We have to share this word, this love with people around. And the truth that we receive should then affect our lives, have weight to the way that we live. Also, truth brings freedom. In John 8.32, it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. By reading God's word, hopefully that the truth will lead us into more freedom. And freedom coming through the Holy Spirit, not just our cerebral or logical understanding of being, because we're all very intelligent beings here today. You're looking very intelligent. But the Holy Spirit is helping us discover this truth. There are three people, three groups of people who I think are probably affected by this sermon. That they're, if we're looking at it as a journey together, there are people who are explorers. People who are here today or listening to this podcast and they're exploring, they're trying to find out what God is saying to them. That 
you, you're not quite sure yet about Christianity or exactly what it means to you, but you want to find out what God is saying. And I don't know if any of you know this, because I don't talk about it much, but I did a half marathon in October. See, nobody knows, because I, I like to keep it to myself. But often, when we want to discover things, when we want to explore, it's a hard slog to start with. So when you think about an explorer cutting through with a machete, they have to make a, a path, don't they? And so often, when we're trying to discover the Bible to start with, that it can seem very, very difficult. I'm not used to reading like this. I don't know where to start. With me, when I started my half marathon training, because uh, we had a discussion, a few of us at work, and then, oh yeah, for some reason I decided in August I was going to run this half marathon in October. And the first time I got my tracksuit on, I got my headband. No, I didn't have a headband, but I thought some of you'd like that image. I won't even mention Lycra. And... I was like, yes, I'm going to run a half marathon and started running. I was like, I'm just going to run forever. I know what Forrest Gump has told me. I can just run. By about the first lamppost, I, I couldn't continue. I was like, <gasps> I was sweat pouring off me. My, I think my lungs, my heart, every organ inside was screaming out, going, don't go any further. And so often when we're exploring the word, first time, it's very difficult. How do we carry on? But I then did this thing where you do a little bit at a time with my running. And soon I was able to run 15 minutes without stopping, then half an hour, then an hour, because I was doing a bit at a time. Now, for those of you exploring the Bible, some of you will be so guided by the Holy Spirit, you can just go for days and days. There are people who've explored the Bible in prison who've done that, who've just been so enthralled. But also, we know that there are so many times where people almost burn themselves out. They want to know about Jesus, but they don't know what to do. We've got resources and things to help you with that. We've done a little book stall today, and we did it because sometimes when you're trying to find out what's right for you to discover the Bible or the Bible that's right for you, it's very difficult, especially we don't have a Christian bookshop in Warsaw now. So we bought some resources along for you today to look at, to buy, however you need, or you might say, oh, well, I want this, order it off the internet. That's absolutely fine. We've only done this to help you. So nobody's making any profit. It's not going to Kev's next cardigan or anything like that, even though they are, they are beyond price they are. This is to help you. But also there are people here, and please talk to our stewards, Joe, Kev, Rachel, if you're going, well, I want to know how to discover the Bible, but I'm finding like that explorer, I'm sort of cutting down the ground. What do I do? Because in the Bible it talks about that starting off, with milk, and starting off on, as we're discovering more about God, and then going on to solid food. So as you discover together, we would only be too delighted to help you discover. But don't, don't get so in awe and, oh, I don't know what to do, that you don't discover the word that God's got to tell you about. So firstly, the explorers. 
The next ones are the people who fondly remember a holiday destination. Oh, that was brilliant. Oh, I love that holiday. But they haven't visited for quite a while. And I believe that there are quite a few people who know about the Bible, who actually love the Bible. But in your heart of hearts, you're thinking, well, I haven't visited there as often as I would like. I haven't camped around the Bible and helped it shape my life and where I'm going. There are a few songs that um, I might do a bit of singing, actually. I don't know. There's one I think I've sung to you before, an old Sunday school chorus, and it goes, it's a happy day. And it starts off, it's a happy day, and I thank God for the weather. It's a happy day, and I'm living it for my Lord. It's a happy day, and things are getting better. Living each day with the Bible as my word. Verse 2 gets a bit gloomy. It's a gloomy day, and I don't thank God for the weather. It's a gloomy day, and I'm living it for myself. Remember that rhyme there. It's a gloomy day and things aren't getting better. Living each day with the Bible on the shelf. Now, I'm not saying if you don't pick your Bible up each day, you're going to have a very gloomy day and the sort of cloud like from peanuts is going to follow you. But the whole idea is the Bible is there to help us through those gloomy days and to help guide us in the way that we live Often when I'm reading the Bible in the, the morning, it is so important to help me with a problem that comes in the day. Whether it's saying, treat people joyfully. And you're thinking, at 11 o'clock, I'm glad I read this, because at the moment I don't want to treat that person joyfully. But when you do, things change. People open up. Things, things go different. You share that love of God. There's another Hillsong song that um, a while ago that used to say, I say on Sunday how much I want revival, but then on Monday I can't even find my Bible. And it's a great rhyme, isn't it? And with that, it does sum us up sometimes as Christians. Remember that when Jesus spoke and did the Sermon on the Mount, an amazing teaching to so many people, what he said at the end of it is, those who obey my teaching, who listen to my teaching and put it into practice, are like a wise man who builds his house on solid rock. But those who don't listen to my teaching and don't put it into practice are like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Sometimes I think I'm not quite the foolish man, but I'm sort of somebody who's building on mud a sort of in-between state where I sort of know what God's saying, but maybe I haven't gone back and listened to it as much as I need. Don't build your house on mud. Don't build it on sand. Listen to the words that God's got to say to you. We have the Gideons coming into our school, and they're a brilliant organisation who give out Bibles. And they give out New Testament and Psalms to all our year sevens if they want one. And one thing they always say, it's a little red Bible, and they say, what colour is this? And the kids think it's a bit of a trick question. And then some little child puts their hand up and go, red, sir. Because they're year seven, so they haven't got deep voices yet. <laughs> and then the Gideon says, yes, it is red, but it needs to be red as well. And then all the, the staff in the room nod and love that. But it's true. 
that so often we've got this amazing resource, but are we reading it? Are we putting it into practice? There's um, one of the things that somebody once said, somebody wise said, the Bible is born to be battered. Underline it, circle things, write in the margins, turn down page corners. The more you use it, the more valuable it gets to be. And what I'm saying about born to be battered is, use it. This is my Bible, and you wouldn't say it's the most uh, beautiful looking thing, but that isn't because I've been throwing it against a wall or playing cricket with it. It's because I've been reading it. And the Bible is incredibly precious, but also it is about something to be used. It's not like grandma's ornaments that are on the shelf, and then if a child goes near it, it's like, just stay back, stay back. It's all about the Bible being rediscovered day in, day out. George Muller, who is known for his very strong face, said, faith said, not a strong face, the first three years after conversion, I neglected the word of God. However, since I began to search it diligently, the blessing has been wonderful. I've read the Bible through 100 times and always with increasing delight. And John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, testified, read the Bible and read it again. And do not despair of help to understand something of the will and mind of God. Though you think they're fast locked up from you, neither trouble yourself, though you may not have commentaries and expositions, pray and read and read and pray. For a little from God is better than a great deal from man. Wise words, isn't it? A little from God is better than a great deal from man. So there are revisitors. And then finally, there's you, the tour guides. People who are loving the Bible and need to help other people understand them. I was talking to someone earlier and we were saying about, uh, they said, oh, I've got quite a few Bibles on my shelf that I use. But also I thought, well, if we've got plenty of Bibles on our shelves, have we actually thought about taking a few out and giving them to people that we know? Sharing the word, showing people why we find the Bible so attractive and why we live our lives to it. Kev was bang on earlier when he was talking about these young gentlemen that he's worked with and it's saying, what do we do to help people to come to know Jesus? Are we that blockage? Didn't you say that, Kev? That sometimes people are really interested to know and we're like, The just conversations that you have with people that I was talking to somebody, a teacher at our school the other day, and they were telling me that the reason they became a teacher was they, they had a dream job that they wanted to do. They wanted to be an air traffic controller and they were doing so well, but they failed their last test. And you've got to, if you don't, I don't think as an air traffic controller, you can go back. I think once you've failed your test, that's it, which is quite comforting in some sense because you don't want lots of planes crashing in the sky but at that point they were just didn't know what to do in their lives and it was their Gideon Bible that they had when they're 11 they're about 26 back with living their parents not knowing what to do and by reading that they felt that 
the passages they're reading, it was, you need to become a teacher. That's God's will for your life. And talking through with people and say, trying to help understand more about the Bible with them is really rewarding. It's scary at times as well. But I believe there are people here who are called to be those tour guides, who to share that love, share the Bible even more, and share really important words and passages and scriptures with people in their daily lives. To finish, I'm going to read what I quoted from earlier, what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And to do that, it's really us thinking about how do we follow Jesus' teaching? How do we follow Jesus' words? The words that Kev said, the words that I've said, I'd rather them just melt away and you remember what Jesus is saying to you, how God is speaking to you. And the word is such a powerful way of doing that. And it's God speaking to us day in, day out. But to do that, we need to be people who listen to his word and put it into practice. So Matthew 8, uh, Matthew 7, sorry, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will fall with a mighty crash. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you that you want to speak to each of us today, whatever our background, whatever our life experience is. We just pray that your spirit will guide us, will guide us with those difficult passages, the things we don't understand, will help us as we share what we've learned from the Bible with those around us. And we pray that your word would just become increasingly relevant and increasingly um, listened to in the society we're in today. And that your word that can change nations will change the nation that we live in and the world around us. And we just thank you for everything that your word does to us individually. And we thank you for how you spoke to us in times of trouble. Help us use that as we share your love with the people around us. Amen. Amen. Just as the band come to us for our final song, as I said, we've got the bookstore at the end. 